Hey everybody, it is so great to be with you at our Oak Ridge location. I get to see some of you that I typically don't get to see. I want to welcome everybody at our Kernersville location, everybody that's joining us online. And I don't know where you're watching from, but it's a cold and rainy day up in this part of North Carolina. So what better day for us to be inside and for you to be where you are. As we continue to talk about problems I know you got them. I know you got problems, but I bet your problems ain't as bad as a guy I read about a couple of years ago by the name of Dylan McWilliams. Dylan McWilliams lives in Grand Junction, Colorado. And in a three-year period of time, Dylan was bitten by a rattlesnake in the state of Utah, attacked by a bear, a black bear, in Colorado and then bitten by a shark in Hawaii in a three-year period of time. All that happened to him back to back to back. Now, the odds of all of that in one lifetime, much less three years, but the odds of that happening to one person in their life, get this, this is a big number, is 1 in 893.4 quadrillion. (laughs) That dude needs to buy a lottery ticket. Or do something, right? I mean, woo! Yeah, so you think you got it bad. And I don't know what your problems are, and I don't know what you're facing, but I know that you are facing some stuff, and that's why we're doing this series called What's Your Problem? Problems are interesting. Sometimes problems come on a little slow, and you can see them. It's like you could see them coming. It's like, it's like watching a, a pot of water boil. Like, there it is, there it is, there it is. And I know some of you think, well, if you watch it, it doesn't boil. Well, it actually, it does. And so, if like, there it is, there it is. Some of you have a problem, and you see it coming, and, and oh, it's going to be bad, it's going to be bad, and then it is. And sometimes problems come quickly, like a fast approaching storm. You can see it on the horizon, there it is, over the trees, and it's coming, and then boom, before you know it, it's raining, thunder, and lightning, and it's on you. And then sometimes problems just blindside you out of nowhere. You had no idea what was getting ready to happen, kind of like bird flying into a clear glass window. Can you imagine? Just flying along, flying along. Boom! I didn't see anything. What was that? What was that? And so some of you are like that in your life right now. You're like, I had absolutely no idea that this was going to happen. But whether you can see it coming, or it's slow, or it's quick, or it just blindsides you, what you want when you face problems, and what I want, and what all of us want, and what some of you are desperately trying to find right now is hope. Right? Hope in the middle of your problems. Not, and it's not just hope that everything is going to be okay. I mean, that'd be nice, right? I mean, we all want things to be okay. And it's great when you just, you just have this sense that everything's going to be all right, and we try to help ourselves and help other people. But it goes beyond that. The kind of hope, the kind of hope that we want is that there's a purpose. Like some of your faces, some stuff right now that you're just going, is there a reason for this? I just don't see a reason for this. Is there, is there a purpose? Is there a method to this madness? I mean, I hope I'm just not hurting for the heck of it. I hope this is just for not for nothing. I, I hope that if I'm going through this, that there is a purpose for it. See, the hope that I need and you need and that we all need is the kind of hope that goes beyond circumstances because we can't control circumstances. 
In fact, if you could, if I could, if we could, we wouldn't be in this problem to begin with now, would we? And the hope I need and we all need and I know you need goes beyond our ability to understand. Here's why. Because we won't always understand. And so I need hope that is not dependent upon my ability to understand what's happening to me. You need hope that's not dependent upon your ability to be able to parse out exactly what's going on and when. And because we just don't always see the purpose, even though we hope there is one. And then that friend, oh yeah, you, you always have a friend like this, comes to you and, and drops one of these gems, another one of these phrases, one of these cliches. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And the reason I'm going to choke you right now is because, right, right, is because you said that. Right? Everything happens for a reason. People, people come up to me and they'll say, Pastor, I know everything happens for a reason. Here's the deal. Let's just stop saying that to each other and thinking it's going to be helpful. Because who's with me? That ain't helpful. Nor is it hopeful. Everything happens for a reason. Well, I have no doubt when it comes to God, that's true. Everything happens for a reason. But I ain't God, and I don't know what God knows, and I'm not promised an explanation on the God level of things. And you and I, we're not promised to know what God knows. Not on this side of eternity, anyway. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, okay, okay, that's true for God, but I don't know what he knows. That's not really helpful or hopeful. In fact, if you're like me, it kind of makes things worse. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's ever been told everything happens for a reason. Their response is, oh, okay, I'm fine now. Right? No! And so we desperately look for the hope of a purpose, even though I don't know. And so like we talked about last week, we find ourselves asking this very normal, natural, human question, why is this happening to me? Why now? Why again? Very normal, Human, and it's okay. In fact, it's an even good thing like we saw last week because it drives us to our knees. It drives us to prayer. Why? But the challenge is, if you're not careful, you will get stuck in why. You will get stuck in the why, and some of you are stuck in why right now. You just can't get past why. You're just stuck there, and that's all you talk about, and that's all you think about, and that's all you wonder about. And you get up in the morning, you're like, why? Why? You go to bed at night, you're like, why? I'm so... And here's the problem with being stuck in why. When you're stuck in why, it, it, it almost completely halts your progress in life. When you're stuck in why, it consumes you. And some of you are consumed. Why me? Why this? Why now? And when you're stuck in why, if you're not careful, you'll start growing bitter. That's where some of you are right now. Oh, hey, how you doing? You don't want to know. Right? I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all been there. We know what that feeling is, but you're bitter. You're bitter at life. You're bitter at other people that are not going through what you're going through because she don't know and her kids are perfect and their marriage and their job and they got money and I know where they go to vacation and they don't know. 
They don't have a clue. And you'll even become bitter if you're not careful towards God himself. The one who caused it, the one who could stop it, the one who knows the reason but just won't let you in on it. Yeah, you get bitter. And I don't know about you, but when I face problems, I want to try to figure out a way to not grow bitter, but to grow better. So we got to find a way to move past why. And some of you that are stuck in why, you need to make a decision right now. And you can do this. With the help of God, you can do this to move from why to what? Looking at your problem or your problems or whatever they are to move from the why to the what. And when you move from why to what, listen very carefully, hope begins to take shape. That's where hope begins, when you move from why to what, to not just why, God, is this happening to me, to, to this. God, okay, so what are you doing in my life, God? I don't know why, but I'm here, and I'm facing this, and I'm dealing with it. And so, God, what are you doing in my life? And what do I need to learn, God? And what are you doing around me? And what are you doing in me? And God, what are you wanting to accomplish with me and through me? God, what? Do I need to know? What do I need to learn? That's when you begin to discover purpose and meaning and find hope. Hope that actually helps. Now, King Solomon wrote something thousands of years ago, and he wrote it in the book of um, Ecclesiastes, which is an interesting book to read because a lot of people feel, a lot of scholars and theologians, and it's pretty evident, I mean, he was going through some pretty tough stuff when he wrote this. In fact, a lot of people think he might have been dealing with some depression in his life. When you read Ecclesiastes, you're like, man, this guy's in a bad place. I mean, read this. Look at this. Look at this. King Solomon writes, Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Sorrow is better than laughter. Yeah, that's a bad day. Right? <laughs> you're like... Nah, what? Sorrow's better than laughter? No, no, wait, 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 wait. I, I think he's onto something here. I really do. Sorrow, while it's not a better experience for us, and it's not more enjoyable, and it's not a lot of fun, sorrow, problems, pain is better for us. It's actually good for us. Why? Because it has a refining influence. Refining, shaping, molding, creating, recreating. The sorrow does something inside of us that laughter can't even accomplish. Sorrow and pain and problems, even this problem you're facing right now, can help you become who God created you to be a lot more, a lot better. Become more like Jesus. Be formed more and more into the image of Christ, which is the goal, which is the whole idea. That's why problems and the purpose that problems bring actually get accomplished so much more during bad times than 
good times. I prefer good times over bad times, don't we all? But Solomon in his wisdom said, no, there's nothing that refines us like a problem, like sorrow. It's kind of like when your mom told you to eat your veggies. When you were a kid, remember those days? Remember those days? You know, kids don't like veggies. No, eat your veggies. Eat your veggies. Yuck. Eat your veggies. No, no, no. Some of you, one of you high-achieving moms, you're going, oh, no, my children love their vegetables. (laughs) You just have to know how to train them. Okay, okay, you're better than we are, and your kids are better than ours. You win. Good. Okay, now that we got you taken care of, veggies are yucky. Eat your veggies. Why do you have to eat your veggies? Why? Because your loving parents know that veggies do something inside your body and accomplish something inside your body that your body desperately needs that chicken nuggets won't do. The mac and cheese won't accomplish. The french fries and goldfish and cheese pizza can't do. Eat your veggies. This is what King Solomon was saying. He said, sorrow does something. The yucky stuff in life, the yucky stuff in life that you really wouldn't choose to eat and choose to taste and choose to digest. The the problems, the pain accomplishes something inside of us that nothing else can or will. You know, Jesus' brother, James, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of this series. I want to go back to that passage he wrote in the New Testament, but I want to read a little bit more of it because this is what he was saying. It's just kind of like, here's why you eat your veggies. Here's why you go through difficulties. Here's why you have to face problems. Here's why sorrow is better than laughter and how it refines us. This is what James was saying when James said, consider it a sheer gift, friend. When tests and challenges and problems and pain and issues come from all sides, he said, consider it, consider it. He didn't say it was a gift. He didn't say it was good. He said, you got to decide. It's an attitude thing. You have to choose. Okay, this is something going to be good for me. Because you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Ain't that true? Ain't that true? That you learn, you learn. And when people tell us, this, we have cliches for this. You learn what you're really made of. You learn who you really are when you face difficulties. Why? What's this next part? Oh, this is so good. I need this. We need this. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. What? Let the problem, let the issue, let the trial, let the issue that you're facing and all the pain, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. There is a part of life that is true for me and you and all of us, and there's a part of following Jesus, and there's a part of being human that doesn't get a lot of press. And it's this right here. Not many, you know, sermons about it, and even though we, we should, because we have problems. We don't like to talk about it. It's, it's like that place you don't want to talk about at parties. And it's the role that pain and suffering and problems play in our lives. In fact, we should probably talk more, and that's why we're doing this series, about the ministry of pain and suffering in our lives.
Because it has a way of teaching us something that nothing else can. A way of doing something within us that nothing else can do. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked about Paul and, and this issue that he had in his life. And if, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, if not, you can go back and catch up and you'll get the, the full story. But Paul, the apostle in the first century, had this issue, this problem, and he asked God to take it away three times. Take it away, take it away, take it away. And God was like, no, it's not, it's not the plan. You're going to have to face this problem, Paul. Paul, you're going to have to go through it. I'm going to do something great in your life through it. That's what's going on here. Paul was discovering that sorrow was better than laughter, that there was a purpose here. There was something that God wanted to achieve in my life that could only be achieved as He helps me through this. Go through this. And if you think God's picking on you, just look around. Everybody's going through something. And Paul said, God, I want you to take it away. Here's the truth. We learn so much. We learn so much when we pray and ask God to take things away from us, and he does. In those moments, those all too, sometimes rare moments and occasions when you ask God to fix a problem and, and it gets fixed because God can do that and God does do that. I have story after story after story and experience in my own life when God has addressed things and helped me through things and so much is in the rearview mirror and God's brought me past it and fixed it. I learned so much, but here's the truth. And it ain't popular and it ain't fun, but it is dead on true. Listen very carefully. Yeah, you learn a lot when you ask God to take those problems away, and he does. But you will learn so much more when he doesn't. And Maybe that's what's going on in your life right now. You learn so much more when you have to go through the very thing you wish you would have been exempted from. You learn more about yourself. See, this problem you're going through, we just read it. You're, what's, you're, what's going on in your life? It shows its true colors. You learn a lot about yourself when you go through something difficult. You learn a lot about life, and you even learn a lot about God. Don't, don't, don't try to get through it just as fast as you can. Move from why to because pain, as much as I hate to admit it, is a great professor. He teaches us so much. Well, let, me, let me put it to you like this. The progress that we want in life and that you want and that I want, and, and actually the progress that we all need, whether we want it or not, but a lot of times we, we like, yeah, I want to I, I grow. I want to get better. Okay, the progress that we want and need comes through problems that we endure. That's just true. And that's what, what's what we discover when we're reading through these passages and understanding that's how God works in our lives. We're going to have problems, and isn't it genius of God? We think, we think, that God's role should be problem removal. Right? You're God. You love me, right? And that's what Paul was like. And God's like, no, okay, you're going to have problems, at least on this side. The day's coming when I will make all things new and there'll be no more problems, but we're not there yet. So since y'all are going to have all these problems, the genius of God is, is getting us through them and shaping us and molding us and helping us and teaching us and maturing us, helping us experience progress in life, in relationships. It's true. You want your marriage to get stronger? It's going to get stronger through what you endure. 
what you fight through, what you work through. It doesn't make any sense to me, these couples that have been married 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and they decide, well, we just can't get along. And I'm like, look at all that investment. Look at all the stuff you've just worked through. Look at all those years that you've, you're just now getting good at this, and you quit. I mean, you look at it from a business, apart from love, you just look at it from a business standpoint. That's bad. Makes no sense. But then there's love, and then their commitment. Your relationships get stronger. Through what you endure. Your business is right, too. Some of you are smart in business. The reason you're smart in business is because of the deals that went bad in the past and the dumb things you did, and the things that happened to you, right? I learned, I learned, I learned. And you look at young people coming up, you're going, oh, they haven't learned the hard knocks of life yet. They haven't learned, they haven't learned, they'll learn. And you get, that's just true. It's even true in our walk with God. And so we try to avoid problems, thinking, oh, just, oh I, I, just need, I just need a break from this. We try to avoid, and James says, don't. I mean, nobody likes it, but just choose. Choose to see it as a good thing. Don't try to avoid the problems. Just receive, accept what is happening. Because if it's happening, there's no getting out of it. At least not yet. Move from why to what? We know this is true. You know this is true. You're so smart, you don't even realize how smart you are. Because I'm going I'm to give you a cliche. I'll say the first part. You finish it. And, and this cliche is all about knowing that the progress we want and need comes through the problems we endure. Ready? Here we go. No pain. See how smart you are? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. You know that no pain, no gain is true whether or not you're in the gym. It's just as true in life as it is in the gym. It's just as true at home as it is on the ball field. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. We know this is true. I read not long ago, and, and I, I love, you know this, if you've been listening to me teach for any amount of time, I love nature, and, and I learned so much about God through the world he's created, and I, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm a bona fide tree hugger. I mean, I, I just believe, you know, that the heavens do declare the glory of God and the, the world he made helps us get to know him. So I, I love that. There is a pine tree that produces a pine cone called a serotonous pine cone. A serotonous pine cone is glued shut with such a strong pine resin that the only thing that makes the pine cone open up and that resin release and then the seeds from the pine cone fall out and, and get planted into the soil and germinate and grow more pine trees. The only thing that makes that promise, I mean that process happen is a forest fire. The only thing that that serotonous pine cone will open up and release what's inside of it is when it is subjected to pain, to problems, forest fire. On the surface, it looks like, oh, this tree is gone. But all these pine cones drop, open up, and all these other trees start growing. If you and I just would get to where we would accept that, we just accept that. Our perspective on our problems would be so much better. It's a choice. You're going to move from why to what? What do you want to do in me now, God? 
Okay, you want to do something good in me because of this thing. I love what the poet Lucy Shaw wrote when she wrote that planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. We'll leave this up here for a few minutes because some of you need to take a picture of this and look at it today or this week. When you're planting seeds and you got seeds in the ground, you welcome the rain. Isn't that crazy? The very thing that you wish didn't happen on that outdoor wedding and you had no indoor backup plan. This makes no sense to me. Sorry, that was free. The very thing that you wish would go away when you got seeds in the ground, you're welcome. As inconvenient as the rain may be. Listen very carefully. I believe with all my heart that God has planted seeds in the soil of your life. Serotonous pine cone kind of seeds that will only take root and only grow when you face certain problems. And here's how I know that. First of all, this is what the Scriptures teach us. Second of all, I see it in my own life. And if you're honest, and you get past the bitterness, and you move from why to what, and, and you just get really honest, I, I bet you would agree. And so in the meantime, when you move from why to what, you just keep doing the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Do the next God-honoring thing, right? While, you're, while it's raining, and the seeds are sprouting. So we, we get stuck in why. We don't want to get stuck in why. We move from why to what, and it's so much better. So much better. There's one more move that you and I need to make if we truly want to experience hope. Because in what? That's where hope starts. But it's in who where our hope takes shape. You move just not from why, God, is this happening to what, God, that's better, what, God, are you doing in me to ultimately who. This, this is Jesus. Ultimately, we take our problems to who and our trust in who, our trust in Him is where we find hope. In the middle of whatever problem we're facing, that's where hope is ultimately found. Because God loves us so much, loves me and you so much, His purposes go beyond problems and even include our problems because He wants us to learn that His presence sustains us in the middle of our problems. So don't get stuck in why, move to what. But ultimately, where you need to land is who is with you as you face your problems. You're not alone. You say, well, that sounds, that sounds good. No, it's not just a cliche. It's not just a nice sentiment. It is absolutely true. That we have the presence of Jesus through the power of His Spirit 
to sustain us no matter what problem we're facing. I remember when our girls were little, now they're grown, gone, families of their own, but when, when they were little and at home, during the age that a thunderstorm at night meant nobody sleeping, right? Not because, because I, I, I love it. I can sleep right through it. But when you got, Daddy, Mommy, I'm scared, you know, that, that inevitable time of life, an inevitable time of life. I remember those moments. It was something that, that was very impressed upon me by the way my wife Donna responded to the girls. Because me, your, your pastor, Dad, I'm like, y'all be fine, go to sleep. I got to get up early in the morning, I got to meet, I got to go to sleep, you're fine, see? Right? But Donna gets out of bed. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the loving thing. <laughs> Middle of the night. So I go with Donna, and she goes by the girl's bed. And we had one daughter in particular that would say, Mom, I need you to promise me everything's going to be okay. Mom, I need you to promise me we're not going to get hit by lightning. Mom, I need you to promise me that our house won't blow. Mom, I need to know. I need to know. I need to promise you. And Promise me. And I remember Donna saying, sweetie, I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that nothing bad will ever happen. Sometimes bad things happen. I don't think it's going to happen. It would be very rare. Look at all the thunderstorms we've already been through. But I can't promise you that nothing bad will happen. By the way, parents, some free advice. Don't promise your kids things you can't deliver on. They'll learn to trust you better if you're just honest with them. But I can't promise you, Donna said, I can't promise you that nothing bad is going to happen. But, sweetie, what I can tell you is that mommy's right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be with you through the whole storm. We'll just ride it out together. See, that's where hope is. Hope is not found in a problem-free life. Hope is not found in your problems getting fixed and going away. Hope is ultimately found in the presence of your heavenly Father who ain't going nowhere. We think because he didn't take the problem away that he must have left me. Where's God? No, 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 no. It's in the middle of the problem that we discover that he's in the room with us. He's going to ride the storm out with us. And so that's hope. We need to submit ourselves to that process. Matter of fact, let's look at it like this. You and I need to learn to let go of the why and accept the what. But we trust the who. Let go of the why, don't get stuck there. Accept the what. What are you doing? What are you teaching? How am I growing? How am I changing? Because that's important. But ultimately, we trust the presence of our Heavenly Father who's with us while the seeds are growing and the rain is falling. He's with us. I'm going to leave you with something I think that will encourage you and help you because it does me. In the first century, Paul, the apostle, had, had gone through a lot. I mean, this guy had had some big problems, really, really big problems. This wasn't like, oh, yeah, he had a few unpaid bills. I mean, this guy had thrown in prison multiple times just because of his love for Jesus, and that's something you and I have never 
had to face probably. Beaten, abandoned, taken advantage of. This guy knew problems. He had some big problems. And I want to share with you something that he wrote towards the end of his life after all these years and problems behind him. Big problems, not tiny ones, big ones. And this is something that you might want to jot down the reference for and read on a daily basis over the next couple of weeks. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Some of you know that right now. You feel like, yep, that's me. I'm just wasting, wasting away. Yet inwardly, while I feel like outwardly I'm wasting away, we're being renewed day by day. So he's learned the what. What's going on? inside? God's doing something inside of me. God's growing. Their seeds have been planted in my life. And so it feels like on the outside I'm wasting away. I'm burning up in this fire, and yet something's being released within me. And then he says, For our light and momentary troubles, light and momentary. How could you call them light and momentary? Paul, we know what you've been through. Seems almost like an insult, right? To call what you're going through light and momentary, light and momentary. What? Our Lord, light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. It far outweighs them all. They're, they're light and momentary because he said, when I compare them to what's coming, to what's taking root in my life, to what God has planned for me, when I compare what I've gone through to what's coming, I will look back and we will all look back and conclude that was, that was light, momentary. And then he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. But what is seen, your problems, my problems that we see, temporary, I promise. But what is unseen, the work God is doing inside of us, the seeds that God has planted, what is unseen, eternal. So we fix our eyes on that. Ultimately, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Our Father, we need this. I need this. I know my friends here are facing some really difficult stuff. They got problems that maybe other people don't even know about. And maybe they're new problems or problems that have been problems for a very long time. Father, help us submit ourselves to this process. To not get stuck in why. To to accept the what you're doing within us. But ultimately trust you, the who, sustains us all the way through the storm. You're right there with us. You're not going to let us go. You're going to be right there with us and deliver us through it. So help me, help us. Endure. Fix our eyes on you as you carry us through. And one day we will join Paul and say, all these problems we're facing now were light and momentary compared to what's coming what we trust you for. In Jesus' name, amen.